One, two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores the many ways Bob Jones University is advancing God's kingdom through Christian education with the biblical worldview. I'm Daniel Lehman, a current student at BJU and co-host for this podcast. Well, this week in chapel at Bob Jones University, we were honored to have Dr. Mark Ward. Mark is a 2001 grad, went on to get his PhD from uh, BJU, and today he works for Faith Life, which is in the state of Washington. If you're aware of the Logos Bible system, that's where Faith Life, that's what Faith Life produces. And Mark is the editor of the Bible Study Magazine. Uh, Mark is uh, witty, he's uh, intelligent, he's, he's very, very thoughtful. He's a wonderful Christian. He and his wife, Laura, have been married for 13 years. They have three children, and they uh, live out in Washington, serve in their local church. So I had him come to speak here at Bob Jones on the theme of technology. And Daniel, uh, I, he was pretty engaging, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. I definitely heard that buzz from the student body. That opening that he had really captured their attention, particularly with his use of hyperbole. As hyperbole we saw. and slight sarcasm. <laughs> indeed, he indeed. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think the students were a little bit like fired up and not so sure what was coming next. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, just kind of give us a quick overview of what he talked about. So he spoke from Matthew um, and the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. That was the the thrust of it. But he used that particularly in a sense of social media and political stances. So it was a beautiful example of one of the main points at the end was uh, Christians being known by our love, loving others was one of the main things there, um, um, but then representing the other side well, not just in a sense using straw man arguments, having that love of Christ be seen through all he did. He worked through three um, basic, simple points there. I think were very applicable and practical uh, that we could just live out in our own lives. Well, I, I know I know the students really listen well. I surely did. And I think one of the things I appreciate about it is that we live in a very uh, polarized society mm. on issues, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. within the church. And I think he brought us back to the main thing. And of course, the main thing is always to keep the main thing, the main thing. Indeed. So uh, I hope that you folks will really enjoy this podcast. I did and listen to Dr. Mark Ward. Well, we are delighted today to have Dr. Mark Ward with us here in high on highest potential. Mark, thanks for being with us. It's a real privilege, truly an honor. We have uh, really appreciated and enjoyed your your chapel sermons this week. Uh, I have to ask you. I, I mean, there there was uh, uh, I, I being around you a little bit. I I'm going to assume that this is how you normally are. Uh, well, yes and no. Um, <laughs> I I should probably say what normal is is that your speaking style was was uh, had a uniqueness to it. Let me put it that way. Um, I, I BJU is like coming home. And uh, the BJU chapel genre, I thought about this carefully, I think is and ought to be distinct from normal church preaching. So to be frank, I use more humor on purpose right? and a bigger vocabulary for a college audience than I would in my church, because I am 
really manic about making sure that what I teach, my audience can understand. I did not know the high school fall festival students were going to be here. I didn't fully <laughs> adjust to them, I admit. But I, I felt I was asked mainly to speak to the college students. Well, we, we appreciate your ministry among us. You, you came and spoke on uh, basically the idea of technology and how to appropriately love people in the use of technology. Uh, but I want to do a l- little background. I want us to get back where, tell us where you're working. Uh, most people would not know that. And then I want to go back further to your background. Yeah, I, I got all my uh, training here. That's my background. I guess you'll get there. But um, six years ago, I was called out by the Lord to work for Faith Life, makers of Logos Bible software. It can be Logos or Logos, doesn't matter. I typically say Logos now. And I was called to be a Logos Pro, which is somebody who basically shows what you can do with the software by teaching Bible. And I did it by writing articles. I just love writing. And that morphed into an academic editor position at Lexham Press, which is an upcoming evangelical publisher and doing a lot of great stuff. Some of my favorite authors like John Frame have published with us, a lot of good commentaries and resources that we put in Logos and also publish in books. And then that morphed into, in the last year and a half or so, I'm the editor of Bible Study Magazine. So I solicit articles from writers, including recently, uh, there were multiple BJU graduates who wrote for us, Krista Threlfall and Joel Arnold wrote fantastic articles for me that I absolutely loved. And our most recent uh, um, issue, and I, I write I write a back page column and I shoot YouTube videos based on that column for Faith Life. And I like to be a pinch hitter there. Uh, my Bob Jones training, uh, to be frank, I think prepared me well to just kind of fill in and kind of create my own niche at Faith Life. Sounds like you had the skill set, which is kind of the big issue we have here. We want to make sure you have the skill set so you can go out and be flexible wherever God leads you. Yeah, the liberal arts emphasis here in particular. So I was a graphic design major to start with my first two years, and I sort of basically kept that as my major. Technically, it was art, uh, as my minor, I'm sorry. Uh, And that has stood me in good stead. And the love for music that I was taught here, great Western classical choral music I came to really love. It just Mm -hmm. enriched my life so much. The um, being forced to take classes I might not have chosen to take otherwise has had an impact on me that, you know, it's just impossible to count, but I I firmly believe in its value. Now, let us know exactly where you live and then a little bit about your family. Mount Vernon, Washington. You came to my town and you and your wife ate with me and my wife at our one little Indian restaurant. I remember. Yeah, that was really, really fun. I enjoyed that. And uh, Bellingham, Washington, where I work, is about half an hour north, and Seattle is about an hour or so south of us. Okay, and you enjoy living there? I absolutely love Washington State. It's incredibly beautiful, and although the winter is a little gray, very gray, um, the rain is not usually very heavy, and uh, the summers make up for it completely. They're basically perfect. And you have how many children? Three children, 11, 10, and 7. Wonderful. Are they homeschooled, Christian school, public school? They are currently homeschooled, and I am sorry to betray my former BJU press colleagues a little bit, but we have a homeschool co-op, and we really felt we needed a group to work with. Right. Um, But my wife homeschools my children, yes. I see. Wonderful. Um, So when when you... um, uh, came to Bob Jones and you were you were wanting to speak on uh, the the theme. You it was a theme that I asked you to speak on. Um, give me give me a, give us a, as you prepared these messages. What did you really want, what did you want to get across to the students? Uh, you know, this I was thinking, where did this come from? Why did I want to take this angle? And it goes so back into my history, the Lord's leading in my life that I just can't trace all the threads. But I will say in particular, I have very self-consciously invested in one debate among Christians 
and um, spent less time but still tried to spend focused and careful time in a few others in the academic realm, um, but one on the popular level. And I, I really felt that what was needed um, was not actually so much more truth in that debate, but more love. Mm. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I feel like in that debate, there's a lot of anger that goes back and forth among true believers. And uh, for many reasons, in, uh, including my personal history, I just could not hate these quote-unquote enemies, you know, people who disagreed with me over this issue. And I, what I was so gratified by was when I showed love to them, they returned it. And I have really been grieved, deeply grieved, to see Christians dividing online over all kinds of things, but of course, over COVID and masks and social mm -hmm. distancing and lockdowns and uh, church worship restrictions. And I tried, I didn't take a side. I hope nobody knows what side I took. Uh, and I did, you know, I had to, I was a church leader. Mm -hmm. um, but for purposes like this, I was really pushing back against polarization um, by appealing directly to Jesus' love command, love mm -hmm. your neighbor as yourself. I, I want you to expand on the, on the fact of polarization. The reason I, I want you to do that is it we've, we've had a lot of discussion about that uh, experience over the last couple of years. For example, here on the campus, it's a little bit, we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble here just simply because we're around students all the time and it's the world of, 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 of an educational institution. Uh, but when I go out, local churches, be with the people of God, and then especially if I do a Q&A outside of here, it's amazing how many questions that I get are so totally issue-oriented. Mm. And it's it's almost like, why are we so... Why is the polarization taking place comparatively to even three or four years ago? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I, I have some definite thoughts on that. Um, I have been a Bible curriculum author for a long time, and I wrote a sixth-grade biblical worldview textbook for BJU Press that is now out in schools. It's called Basics for a Biblical Worldview. And, you know, my job there is to take truths that, you know, many of them have already actually been hearing over the years and make them accessible to my audience, apply these truths to issues that are relevant to them. And as part of that work, I was talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. And I'm thinking, okay, how do I communicate this to them? And so I was trying to categorize the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. And what I noticed was, first off, the sexual sins that we all remember, that we expect to be there, they're at the top of mind when it comes to works of the flesh. They're all there. The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, okay. And it even says orgies, that's in the list. But then I noticed something else. If I categorize all of the works of the flesh, I end up with a category just as large that consists of enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. In fact, I think that category, depending on how you count, is actually larger than mm. the sexual sins category. Mm. And when I see Christians dividing over things the Bible doesn't teach or doesn't directly address, okay, the Bible doesn't tell us specifically what the policy for masks ought to be in any given political locale. There is some measure of Christian liberty that the Bible gives. I'm not talking about if the properly constituted authority tells you what to do. I'm talking about if you are the authority. You're a politician like some of our BJO grads in this area who have that authority. What should you do? Christians should be allowed to disagree. Well, the level of bile that is being thrown back and forth over this, it is a work of the flesh. Mm -hmm. 
And we need the fruit of the Spirit, the very first of which is love, in order to combat that. That is, that's the thinking I have coming into, why does this happen? Why are there wars and fights among you? Um, ultimately, our loves are misdirected, and we're, the, these works of the flesh are being made manifest. Seems to me, uh, you know, that, that what this is, is it's, it really, uh, it, it's a revealer of the level of the spirituality of the people, that, that it has brought a, a measure of exposure to where, where we are within our spiritual state. And that's not all negative. So oh, it's good. I, I'm I'm going to be vague here. This is these are personal conflicts um, with people I love. And here's here's the deal, though. In church, you can't avoid it. In our state, you were going to wear masks in church or not, right? So there was disagreement within our church, and I had to deal with it. I had to speak about it. But when I did, guess what? The people that I, you know, in one sense opposed, we didn't have the same ideas about what we should do. They loved me. And at the end of our conversation, they said, you know, we disagree, but I can tell your touchstone is the Bible, and you were just trying to follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I was able to say the same to them. It, so COVID exposed a difference of opinion that I didn't know existed. I didn't expect it. That was to a degree troubling. But what the Lord did in that situation was show me, I have my spirit and the fruit of my spirit and people that disagree with you about politics. And you know, that was a good lesson for me. You know, and, you know, Paul said, I, I want to show you a more excellent way. And uh, and then the King James, it says, excellent. What would it be in another translation? Oh, boy. I think it might just be excellent. I would okay. just have to look at that. I don't have that. It's definitely the higher way. Yeah. And uh, I, I actually think that the, the more excellent way... Go ahead. You can... The ESV says excellent. Too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the the more excellent way is, is truly, uh, it's it's the best way, but it's also the more difficult way. Yeah. Because it in, involves uh, the element of meekness, which is a complete surrender to God. And, and and now in our media environment, and again, I'm not taking sides here. I'm saying this is left and right. Mm-hmm. You can just drink in a slurry of partisanship all day long if you want to, whatever side you find yourself on. And as a shepherd of God's people, that really concerned me. I want them catechized by the Bible, not by Fox News or MSNBC. Right, exactly. And it, it is definitely... A, it, the world we live in is very polarized, and there are reasons for it. I, we understand there are positions that, that we may believe very strongly about, uh, but but still, how do we live in that and not not become divisive and, and in the end end up in a war? Right. From whence come war, wars and fightings among you? They come from your own internal Desires, desire yeah. there, that are at war with each other. Right. So, in your communication with with the students uh, over the last couple of days, what are some of the uh, highlight uh, things that you've seen uh, with with the students today that would be encouraging to you? You know, uh, it's been six years since I've been here actively. I've visited a couple times, but nobody knew who I was. But now that I was the chapel speaker, I had students coming up to me and asking me questions. And, you know, this is, this is very subjective, but I think it weighs a lot with me. Uh, the countenances of the students that came to speak to me were just joyful and humble. Mm. I look for that in people kind of without knowing it. It's after I talk to them that I realize, wow, that was such a blessing just, just to see them. 
and uh, I've I've just really been pleased. I've been in several classes, and the questions I got were respectful and thoughtful. I had long conversations after two presentations I gave the other night. You were at one of them um, on Bible translation, and once again, respectful engagement and uh, intelligent engagement. I, you know, I'm a graduate, and I care, and I pray actively about the success of Bob mm-hmm. Jones University, and it's been a great encouragement to me to feel like, okay, things are still going the way they were. People want to please the Lord, and the teachers are trying to teach from a Christian perspective. I come away really, really encouraged. Well, we we uh, appreciate all that you had to say. I know our students were definitely engaged, and they uh, students are funny. They'll say, now, why do we have a guy come speak two days? You know, like, like, like you can only... You, you can't really carry it for two days. And and they've been, the last few weeks have been awesome. We've had tremendous messages, and, and I think they, they came in very, very eager to learn, which has been consistent with the way the student body is. And I think that's the way the generation is. Uh, our students come here primarily because they want to be here. Uh, the parenting style today is that the child has to make the decision, and so therefore that's the kind of young person that we have here. Yeah, back in my day, it wasn't always that way. I did come here because I wanted to, and my friends did too. But I was aware, you know, there's a contingent of people who had to come. Right. And that does change the spirit. It does change the spirit. Um, you you worked here at Bob Jones how many years? I was on staff for nine years, and before that, I was a graduate assistant at the library for five. Okay, wow. So you, you've been a kind of a book nerd? Yes, I run a, I write a column for Bible Study Magazine, a back page column called Word Nerd Language in the Bible, and I shoot every um, column and, and some more as YouTube videos. I am a word nerd. Okay. And uh, I, I noticed that in the video that you did. I thought that was, that, but, it, but it had a lot of humor. So did you always grow up humorous? Was your dad this way, your mom this way, or were you just uh, the nerdy, funny kid? I, I was the collegiate cartoonist at Bob Jones until, okay, and I'm going to tell everybody, until I showed my old ID in the Dining Common. That was a 25 demerit offense at the time. And I knew exactly what I was doing, and I got exactly what I deserved. And I... <laughs> wait, wait, I, wait, wait, tell me what that was, because I've never heard of Okay, that. so in the olden days, back in the olden days, I showed my old ID. It was like the previous year, and you weren't allowed to do that. Oh, I see. Because, okay. you know, an, an older, an ex-student or something could come back and get a free meal or something. Ah, I so they were just using a clicker. They weren't scanning anything. This is a long time ago. This is like 1998. And I had already done other things that weren't good. I was often late, like, signing in from church. So anyway, but I also abused my collegiate staff privileges and um, skipped a class that I shouldn't have skipped. And I got in big trouble, and the Lord really used that in my life. I, am, I was no longer the collegiate cartoonist, though, because I got kicked off collegiate staff as part of my consequences. I see. And I, I am very thankful to this day that people stood up against my flesh and said, don't sin. And, and, and that made a difference. That made a difference in my life. But that wasn't what you asked. You wanted to know about humor. Um, that was just an example. Yeah, I guess I've always kind of enjoyed humor. And uh, increasingly over the years have tried to think hard about how I can use it to get the truth across. And I do believe that humor is often disarming. So when I brought up COVID and masks to the student body, I didn't do it in the way I just did with you. I spoke to you as another church leader 
who knows the burdens of being a shepherd. And mm-hmm. I spoke about it very soberly. But with the students, I very self-consciously made it into something humorous. Although, when I got up there and divided the room into two, and I said, all you people on the left are liberals and all you people on the right are conservatives, I really was worried that they would just stare at me. Thankfully, they laughed <laughs> they, at the appropriate times. I think, I think they took it pretty well. Uh, and I think they really enjoyed that. Um, so where you are now at your age and stage, and what do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what is your vision going forward right now in your life and what you, you, at least God's burden you with? Yeah. Um, so a book that actually you and I were talking about yesterday and we got to have a meeting with some execs about some publishing stuff and I'm really supportive of what you're doing there. Um, we talked about a book called Playing God by Andy Crouch, which I do highly recommend, especially to anyone who's involved in any kind of Christian institution. It is a Christian and biblical view of the stewardship of power. Mm-hmm. Our country, because we don't have a God anymore, right, in the secular viewpoint, power is just what the stronger people use to oppress the weaker people. But in a Christian view, power motivated by love is what makes the world go around. Right. And what is what is the best way to steward power? We have discovered and I think this is part of God's creational design that we collect that power all the people with all their different gifts, those are powers God has given them. We collect that power in what we call institutions, educational mm-hmm. institutions, mission institutions, publishing institutions, all kinds of institutions. Food you know, prep institutions. Those are collections of power. Right. Um, Bob Jones University, uh, this institution has had a massive impact on me, but my generation of folks, because in part we came after the huge baby boomer bulge in the, you know, generational chain, I think we've been a little bit frustrated. So you're the, you're the Gen Xer. Yeah, I was born in 1980. I think we've been a little frustrated with not getting the baton of power handed to us. Right. And we've picked up an anti-authoritarianism in addition that has come become an anti-institutionalism. And I think that we have not carefully and self-consciously thought, if God created this world to have institutions, and they're all going to be imperfect because the fall touches them all, then which ones that exist already should I invest in rather than assuming I'm just going to start my own new thing? I'm not saying that's wrong at all either. My inclination is to invest in already existing institutions. Uh, you're an institutional leader. I, I don't find myself wanting to have that role. I want to be in a support role as a communicator to people through writing and now mm-hmm. through the YouTube medium and podcasts and other stuff, actually. Uh, I want to communicate the vision of that uh, institution to continue to focus and direct its power toward God-glorifying ends. Yeah, I, I think uh, the Andy Crouch books have been, I've read a couple of them, and they're very, very, very insightful. And uh, once once you get into the main core of what he's trying to say, it's kind of like a no duh, right? Oh yeah, totally. I get this, and uh, particularly you know serving God in the places that He's given you, and it has to be done in humility. Yes, and with, and with a recognition. So this is what Bob Jones gave to me. You know, our heritage in a conservative wing of you know American Protestantism. You know. Forgive me, my Baptist friends who don't think you're Protestants. I think you are. Anyway, uh, our heritage was deeply concerned about worldliness, and I am too. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little concerned when I pick up an Andy Crouch book that he's going to be rah-rah 
about a world that I think he's not recognizing the fallenness of, but that's not what I saw. Mm -hmm. He was not triumphalistic about the possibilities of what we can do in human culture. He said, we do good in culture and we make beautiful culture like we always have done at Bob Jones, putting the red carpet on the sawdust trail. We do good out of obedience to God, who in the cultural mandate, the creation mandate of Genesis 1 said, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it, you image bearers. Mm. That's what we're doing. And if you're good, even the institution you create or support dies in the next you know, week. That's up to God. You do good and you obey now. Right. My church died last week. Mm. We voted to close. Mm. I believe we did right. The Lord clearly led us. And there was a time when I was struggling over that. Um, it, was, it all happened kind of fast. There wasn't conflict, by the way. The Lord really smoothed our path. Um, but I was able to find comfort in remembering, you know, God has done good and isn't required to use this institution any longer you asked, what's my vision? Um, I do want to align with other Christians who share my doctrinal commitments in an institutional context. So as Andy Crouch talks about, actually, um, I can, in that arena, fill the role that God has intended for me. And I am some kind of communicator, I've discovered by age 41. Yeah. Well, they say that life begins at 40, so you have a lot of life in front of you. I hope so. I pray so. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. It has been a blessing, Mark. Uh, you've had a great impact, and we hope the Lord will greatly bless you as you go back home and serve in Washington. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Highest Potential with Dr. Steve Pettit. Don't forget to find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.